Welcome to the podcast of the Sunday morning worship service of the Heartland Church of the Nazarene. We're a community of faith learning to love God and our neighbors as ourselves. Welcome home. Today's sermon text is from Genesis 3, 1 through 24. The passage will be on the screen for you, or if you like, please turn to Genesis in your Bible. Now the serpent was more crafty than any other wild animal that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Did God say you shall not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden, but God said you shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the middle of the garden, nor shall you touch it, or you shall die. But the serpent said to the woman, You will not die, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was a delight to the eyes, and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate, and she also gave some to her husband, who was with her, and he ate. Then the eyes of both were opened, and they knew that they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together and made loincloths for themselves. They heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden at the time of the evening breeze, and the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man and said to him, Where are you? He said, I heard the sound of you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, and I hid myself. He said, Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree of which I commanded you not to eat? The man said, The woman whom you gave to be with me, she gave me fruit from the tree, and I ate it. Then the Lord God said to the woman, What is this you have done? The woman said, The serpent tricked me, and I ate. The Lord God said to the serpent, Because you have done this, cursed are you among all animals and among all wild creatures. Upon your belly you shall go, and dust you shall eat all the days of your life. I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your offspring and hers. He will strike your head, and you will strike his heel. To the woman, he said, I will greatly increase your pangs in childbearing. In pain you shall bring forth children, yet your desire shall be for your husband, and he shall rule over you. And to the man, he said, because you have listened to the voice of your wife and have eaten of the tree about which I commanded you, you shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground because of you. In toil you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you. And you shall eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your face you shall eat bread until you return to the ground, for out of it you were taken. You are dust, and to dust you shall return. The man named his wife Eve, because she was the mother of all living. And the Lord God made garments of skin, skins for the man and for his wife, and clothed them. Then the Lord God said, See, the man has become like one of us, knowing good and evil. And now he might reach out his hand and take also from the tree of life, and eat and live forever. Therefore the Lord God sent him forth from the garden of Eden to till the ground from which he was taken. He drove out the man, and to the east of the garden of Eden he placed the cherubim, and a sword flaming and turning to guard the way to the tree of life. That's the word of the Lord for us today. Thank you, Sam. Um, have you ever have you ever wanted to do something or try something for which you are not prepared to, to do it. Like you weren't good enough at it just, just yet. Um, or you, you hadn't maybe matured enough to fully partake in that, in that particular thing. 
parenting? <laughs> praying for your enemy? Oh, yeah, yeah, that's a good one. Parenting and praying for your enemy, two of the toughest things out there. Um, I think so, anyway. Well, when I was uh, a, young, a young boy, I don't know how old I was necessarily, but um, I, I think my grandfather had given me this knife. And it was a, it was a collapsible one, you know, foldable one. And uh, as, is, as every little boy loves, you know, carve things and, and whatnot. It's just dangerous. I, I, I get hurt easily, apparently. Um, and my parents knew this, and so uh, it's really hard once you got the blade open to close it again. Like this, that spring was just super tough. And my dad said to me, he's like, okay, you can have this and keep it for yourself once you're able to close that thing on your own. And I was like, okay. And so he, I saw him put it in his nightstand drawer where he left it. And uh, they were out and about doing something. Dad was probably working in, in the garage. And uh, who knows where my, uh, my mother was. But I went into their room and I, or, and I opened it up. And I, I opened up that knife and just, I don't know, looked at it. It had this little, I still have it. It has this little uh, scene on the handle of like a deer in the forest. And my dad liked to think he was a really great hunter. Actually, no, he, he knew he was terrible. Uh, I think he went 15 years between deer. <laughs> now, now, Pennsylvania is a little different. Uh, there's lots and lots of people um, and not a lot of land. And so anyway, but that's not, that's not here or there. And so I, I had this knife and I was playing with it. And then came the crucial moment where I needed to put it away so that I wouldn't have gotten caught playing with this knife. And so I took the knife, and I'm trying as hard as I could. And, and I'm even, like, I'm taking that little thing, and I'm pressing it up against the nightstand to try to depress it. And, you know, just it, it's a matter of time before it slips and cuts my finger off. And, and I can't get it, and, and I'm, I'm worried that it's going to be bad. So what do I do? I take the knife, and I put it under my dad's pillow. Sam thinks that's really funny. <laughs> and it would have been funny had my dad not come to me the next day. And he's like, guess what I found? <laughs> I don't know. What did you find? <laughs> Under my pillow, you better be glad you didn't slice off my finger. Blah, 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 blah. Um, I'm not sure how I eventually earned the fact that I had that, I don't remember getting a spanking for that one. If I did, it was because I blocked it out of my mind, you know. Uh, but I was, not, I was not mature enough yet to handle that knife. As the whole episode displays, right, I wasn't strong enough to put it away, right? I wasn't, I wasn't uh, adept enough to be able to close it without using my finger. And, and I was, certainly wasn't wise enough not I mean, like to put it in a place that wouldn't cause bodily harm to the person who accidentally found it. I just wasn't yet ready for that knife. I don't know that I'm still ready for knives, to be honest. But uh, that's where this story is, today's uh, passage of Scripture. Uh, I've spent a lot of time thinking about this, and, and there, is a, there is so much in this particular passage of the Bible. Um, and if I were a better preacher, maybe we could get to more of it. Uh, we had this fantastic discussion uh, in Bible study, and we're just not going to 
cover a lot of things. And it's not because I'm avoiding them, like the whole part where like Eve is told that her desire will be for her husband, and, and that's just thorny stuff. Uh, or it can be, anyway. Uh, but what I think is the essence of what's happening in this particular passage is that Adam and Eve were created with the capacity to grow and to learn and to mature. That when God created them, he's like, okay, um, I'm, you're out of the oven, but you're not quite done yet, right? You've you got to rest and, and mature just a little bit. And in the whole garden, there's two trees, right? The tree of the knowledge of good and evil and the tree of life. And, and God tells Adam and Eve, he gives them like a couple of simple boundaries. He says, okay, you've got to take care of the area around you. Uh, the plants and the animals. I'm going to let you steward them and, and take care of them and, and everything's going to be fruitful and multiply. And the other thing he says, you, know, you can give all the animals names, but you also need to not eat of that particular tree, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. All of the other, all of the other trees in the garden, fair game. That one right there, not so much. And, and I've wondered... I, all all time for years. Why in the world would God put this tree in the middle of this perfect place and then say, don't eat it? Because you know, you know what happens when you tell people not to do something. Jason, do not play with that knife. I played with the knife. Uh, Those of you who have little kids, do not eat before we pray for our food. And we, we tell our kids, Every, every meal, what they do, they, they eat before we pray. Small thing, right? Don't touch the hot stove. What they're going to do? Touch the hot stove. It, it just seems like that's maybe human nature. And God in his infinite wisdom, well, he might have understood that that was the case. But I, I don't know. I, I really think, though, that, that the tree represents something for which you and I and humanity was not yet mature enough to handle. Like, true knowledge of of what's good and what's evil. And, and, and there's lots of questions there uh, that I don't have answers for necessarily. I, I just think it represents something that humanity was going towards in God's great creation. Uh, that God was helping us to learn and to grow ultimately so that we could, we could reflect the image of God even more. Uh, because as uh, in verse 26 of, of chapter 1, Then God said, let us make humankind in our image according to our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the air and the cattle and all the wild things and the creepy things upon the earth. God's created us to be in his image. And and I think, I think God in his infinite wisdom knew that we needed to grow and mature into that likeness from the very beginning. Uh, that, That God is looking forward to helping us grow into that at the very beginning of things. Uh, maybe it's the same way as I look, have looked forward to helping my own children learn and grow to become competent, kind adults. I look forward to that. I, I look forward to teaching Nate to drive in a couple of months. You, you're not looking forward to that? No? I can have mom do it. <laughs> she says no. I, you know, I look forward to, to teaching my boys how to, how to think and to, to figure things out for themselves, to, 
to gain the basic knowledge that, that they need to, to function in this world. I want them to learn how to use YouTube to fix things. Right? Because that's what YouTube is for. Yeah. Because uh, my dad really didn't teach me how to fix things, and so YouTube is my dad. Uh, sorry, Dad, if he's watching. Um, I think maybe that was part of what God was hoping for. Because when you learn things together, right, when, when you learn and grow and experience things together, that builds a, a bond and a relationship. Like, there's just, that's just part of, part of it, I think. And so I think, I think that tree maybe represents well, a level of maturity that, uh, that we aren't necessarily ready for. So along comes this talking serpent, which, again... I don't know. I don't know how the serpent talks. I don't know why. Maybe before all of this, all of the animals talked. It was one giant Disney movie. I don't know. Uh, but it doesn't matter, because this is the story we have. Now, the serpent was more crafty than all of the other wild animals that the Lord God had made, and he said to the woman, did God say you shall not eat from the tree, from any tree in the garden? Now, as far as like temptations, go and this is a really simple question, right? It's not an invitation to some giant sinfulness. Uh, and it's, I want to compare this to Jesus' temptation in the wilderness, right? Not, not inviting Jesus to sin in some great, big, mysterious way. It's not like the serpent said to Eve, did God say you really weren't supposed to kill your husband? Right? Like, no, it, it's trees and eating and and uh so it's rather innocent innocent and uh eve responds we may eat of the fruit of the tree in the garden but god said you shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the middle of the garden nor shall you touch it or you will die i might have uh not added some things okay yeah so uh, he's she says yeah um no we're not supposed to do we're not supposed to eat that and uh the serpent responds uh, you will not die, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Now, I, I, I think, I think the, just a little voice, right? A tiny, tiny little voice uh, begins to whisper to Eve and say, you know, you, you know, God's not really telling you the truth. God's not really giving you all that you deserve, or God's holding out on you, that even though that God has created all of this stuff for you and provided for you in all these miraculous ways, that God really doesn't have your best interest in mind. He just doesn't, he doesn't want you to have the goods. That's all there is to it. So Eve, Eve begins, begins to believe that, and so she takes the fruit, and she eats some of it, and she gives some of it to Adam, and the whole world falls apart. Well, not, not really. Uh, but at least as, as far as we understand and read this story, that, that something breaks, that something changes in the world. Uh, and, and I think part of this is marked out by... Um, well, the end of chapter 2, where God says that Adam and Eve were, uh, verse 24, Therefore the man leaves his father and his mother and clings to his wife, and they become one flesh. 
And then man and his wife, and the man and his wife were both naked and were not ashamed. Like they, they were living in this vulnerability and God was taking care of all of them. And then all of a sudden they eat of this and the Bible tells us they were naked and ashamed. They knew of their nakedness. They, they, they understood that like they were vulnerable and, and they, they're reaping the consequences of believing that God wasn't really going to take care of them. And it exposed them in, in a way they hadn't been before. They had reached for something that they weren't able yet to understand. Uh, they, they grasped after a level of maturity and responsibility that they couldn't handle. Now, I think actually this is the plot of a lot of superhero movies, at least the villain side of things. And, and I was thinking about this, like, uh, and I looked over some clips, and none of them were just right what I wanted to show, especially from, from Spider-Man. But uh, the Green Goblin, right? Uh, Spider-Man, like, 2002 or four or something like that. The first, the first one of the Tobey Maguire. Is, yeah, yeah. Anyway, like, the Green Goblin, he's created this thing, and I don't remember all what it is about, but it, it was, like, he was, uh, what is his name? William Defoe's the actor. I should have figured this out better before I started telling it. Anyway, he, he wants to, to do this thing, and, and so he injects himself with this stuff, and then there's this green gas, and then all the turning. Sudden, he turns into this giant superhuman person. He's got great strength, and he can fly around on this little board thingy, and like the science wasn't ready. Like It was something for which he, he could not control. It was, it was too great, and, and he wasn't mature enough to be able to handle it. Same with uh, Doc Ock and the... Got the spider arms. I think superhero movies are uh, cautionary tales for us. Maybe there are modern day fables. Anyway, just me. But it's just reaching out for something that is greater and, and bigger than we're able to handle. Oddly enough, what happens when Adam and Eve reach out for this maturity? that God is wanting them to grow into, wanting them to learn and grow and to look more like, more like Christ, is that their ability to become more like Christ is completely damaged. That, that what we do when we reach for things and, and when we believe that God is holding out for us, uh, out on us and not going to take care of us, that when we reach and stress and pull and, and grasp after control of our own selves and our own life, that our ability to grow into the people that God has called us to be is destroyed. That in our ambition, we work against what God is hoping that we grow into. That the boundaries that God sets for us They're meant to keep us on a path of growth and maturity into the image of Christ. And when we bust through those, we totally mess up our chances of being what God has wanted us to be. And over and over again, that manifests itself in pain, in brokenness, in our own lives and in the lives of those we have relationship with. Because 
Because Adam and Eve's decision to grasp after something they were not mature enough for didn't just affect their relationship with God, but it ultimately affected their relationship with each other. And we'll discover next week, it affected their son's ability to have a good relationship. A whole, reasonable, right relationship with honesty and compassion and care. I think, I think this story is as relevant for us today as it was for God's people who who told it. That so often, we look at the world around us and we begin to think that God is holding out on us. Uh, That when we are asked to love our neighbor as ourselves or to forgive or maybe to pray for somebody, that God is not really having our best interests in mind. And so we, we, we choose to grasp and try to fix the situation or to, to make a life for ourselves on our own strength and our own power, and it all goes sideways. We have not learned. One of the things that I think I want to say all the time is like our truth, the, the path to goodness and truth and life and restoration and reconciliation in our world is us submitting to God, to trusting that the boundaries that God has set up for us are the good and right ones, uh, in trusting that we are, well, that our growth, even though it seems slow, where we are is maybe where we are because God is forming something in us and moving us forward to greater faithfulness and maturity. I, I, I think part of that involves submitting to each other, but that's a whole other thing too. I, that you and I have a responsibility to each other to determine and, and look and say, hey, this is the way that we have been called to walk as a, as a community of faith. And, and we discern together where, where God is moving us to and, and we remind each other over and over again that, that God is not holding out on us even though it seems that way sometimes. But that when we love our neighbor as ourselves, when we love our enemy in the way that Jesus loved all of us, his enemies, that we walk more closely and fully into becoming the people in Adam and Eve that Adam and Eve never gave us the chance to become. And we know what the right way is. We know what the path and the boundaries and the guidelines are is because we have seen that in the person of Jesus Christ who has come and did not, did not believe that even though he died on the cross and suffered all of that way, that God was holding out on him. That he chose to believe that faithfulness and obedience, even when it seems contrary to common sense, is the way of the Father. And that even in the midst of all of that suffering, that God is working a way for the goodness and blessing 
and maturity and restoration and salvation of the entire world. This is what Christ is calling us to. To believe that we aren't as mature or competent enough to handle making all of our decisions on our own. Uh, that we aren't, we aren't mature enough to direct our lives without the assistance of the God who created us and knows what we should become in the first place. Christ calls us to submit and to say, along with the Lord's Prayer, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Thy will be done for me as it was for Christ. And to learn to listen to the voice of God as individuals, as families, as a church. To discern together what it means to become mature, loving, and faithful people. Part of what we do every week is a reminder of Jesus' refusal to believe that even though death was coming for him, that God wasn't treating him fairly. It is a reminder of the path that sometimes we must take, that, that loving selflessly sometimes requires sacrifice. But what, what we see on the other side of the cross is not death, but it is resurrection. It is the power over sin and the death that accompanies it so that what was broken with Adam and Eve might be fully and finally repaired. Let's pray. Dear Lord, we thank you for your faithfulness and your goodness and your gentleness to us. Lord, we confess that like Adam and Eve, we begin to believe the tiny little voices that whisper in our ears that, that you're holding out on us. Uh, Lord, help us, as, and we confess that even though it's tough and it's difficult to, to confess that we aren't strong enough or smart enough or mature enough or wise enough to really direct our own lives in a good way. Uh, that we need to rest in you and your wisdom and your care for us so that we might grow and become the people you were calling us to be, that we might grow in our likeness of you to, to finally be fully created in your image, recreated into your image. Lord, we know this is, this is more than just about sin. This is about your spirit working in us continually for our growth. And so in this moment, as we receive your bread, which is your body, and the juice, which is your blood, poured out for us, that we might see that and, and remember that that you have come and that you are coming again to set all things right. And that as long as we seek 
to have you work through us in the power of your spirit. We seek to be faithful and obedient. You will do wonderful things in us and through us. And that our salvation and our growth and maturity will not be just for us, but that it will then move out from us into our community so that, so that others might grow into your likeness as well. May this meal will be for us all that you've intended it to be. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to our Sunday morning worship service. For more information about the Heartland Church of the Nazarene, please visit TakeItToTheHeart.com.